Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. I'm excited about today. I'm excited to be able to speak with you guys. Uh, I have a, a word that's been on my heart for the last several months. And you know, typically how the Lord speaks to me, I would say maybe how he speaks to me, the way that I hear him the clearest is when he corrects me. Uh, it's not always the best feeling in the world, uh, but when he comes, he typically grabs me pretty hard. And I think that's a great sign. Like, if you've ever been corrected by the Lord, it's actually a sign of sonship. It's a sign of sonship. Because it says, as a father disciplines his son, so does the Lord discipline those who love him. As a father disciplines his son, it's a sign of close relationship, of honesty, of transparency, of being able to speak directly into someone's life. So a couple of months ago, I, uh, I got up, it was a Sunday morning, and I was going to spend some time with the Lord before I came to church, and I made my cup of coffee and got my Bible, and I sat in my chair, and I went to lean back to just enjoy the Lord. And he said, Zach, you have not stewarded the words I've given you well. And I was just like, oh, man, that one hits. And as he said it, it was like my mind opened up and I began to see all the moments where he spoke to me over the last couple of months and years even, when I, maybe I was driving in my car and I would get excited about the Lord. I'd begin just to punch my steering wheel in excitement and just scream out loud in my car, like, God, you're awesome. That is so incredible. This is so amazing. I don't even know how to understand this. This is just so cool. Thank you, Jesus. And then when I get to where I'm going and I get on my car and I get about my day, I just forget it. Anyone ever have a moment like that before? All right, so I'm not alone. <laughs> but as he spoke it to me, it hit me so deep in my heart. And I started thinking, like, man, like, what am I missing out on? If you're coming to me in my car, when I'm alone with you in my office, when I'm up here at front worshiping with you and the Spirit is moving over us in our service, and we are... We are feeling more aligned with the Spirit of God, more aware of the freedom that He provides in those moments. Where we came in with a burden, but in here we feel just, we feel free. But then tomorrow we go back out to our work life and we feel that burden again. What have we missed? What have we experienced in the wonder of knowing Him, of being with Him? that we haven't captured the feed our life beyond the moment we found it. I want to talk to you today about something, and um, it's probably not a message that I would have ever thought I would give. Probably be one that my wife, Madison, would be able to give a lot better than me. (laughs) Um, You know, I love me and Madison's relationship. It's it's amazing. When we first got together, um, we just butted heads all the time. It was just nonstop tension in our house. 
And because it just, we weren't never angry at each other. We just saw the world completely different. And because of that, we became a little frustrated with each other. And we would vocalize it. <laughs> and I remember this in that first year of marriage, we were hanging out and we were spending time together. And um, some, some uh, couple came over to our house and he sits there and he looks at both of us. And we had just gotten done arguing right before he came in the house. So he could probably like sense some tension in the room. And he sits there and he uh, leans up on the counter. I was just like, huh. Just looks at both of us like that. He's like, this is, uh, this is an arranged marriage. And just begins to prophesy over us. And we didn't tell him like, well, we were just yelling and fussing at each other. <laughs> but we kind of just looked at each other like, wow. Like, maybe God does have a plan for us. <laughs> and he laughed and we were talking about it and it brought so much hope to us. And I want to talk to you today about finding your why and what God's why is for the church. Because God's why is that in unity, we would celebrate diversity. That God's why is that in unity, we would celebrate diversity. If you were to look at, you know, if you don't know if you've like done left brain, right brain studies and how people's mind works, you know, mind, I think it's more of a left brain, very creative, very much a visionary. Madison's a right brain, way more detail-oriented. So we're hanging out in the house, and I'm probably going on about some revelation I got in the Word, and like, I'm, I'm like, baby, like, I had this moment with God, and, and I see the future. And it's amazing. You've got to listen to it. And she's like, the trash is full. It's been full for three days. <laughs> Just come look in the kitchen for a second. The house stinks. <laughs> Madison has, 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 has learned how to live with me. She, she has gone and she has made a, um, a colored chore chart. <laughs> That's on the refrigerator. If you come to our house... She will be very kind and say, it's for all of us to remember. <laughs> it's not. It's for me. <laughs> I see the future. No, there's socks on the floor. <sighs> but I think that's what makes us, I know it's what makes us such a great team together. We, we did this Enneagram test. I don't know if anyone's ever done the Enneagram, but um, I'm a seven. A seven is an enthusiast, someone who's very excited about everything. She is a three. It's called an achiever, someone who's very detail-oriented and focused on tasks. And when you look at it, how they, uh, how they read the test, they, there's the one section where it talks about how you work in a relationship together. It says threes and sevens, can be the absolute worst, most destructive pairing in the world or the greatest and accomplish the most. And I think that is part of God's plan for us as a church. We're all so different. We're all so unique. But God wants to utilize everyone with the callings and giftings on their life and bring it together for the betterment of the kingdom. 
to release the mind of Christ to the world. If we can put up Ephesians 3 up on the board. I want to read this to you because what this is, this is Paul writing, and this is him giving God's why statement for the church, the reason that the church exists. This is God's why, God's reason for the church. And his intent, being God, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His intent, his why, is that through the church, the manifold, the multi-layered, multi-diverse wisdom of God would be, be, be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That is typically a verse that you read and you're like, I'm just going to keep going. I don't really know what that means. But what God's saying is, I put all of you together, all of you different, all of you unique together. I wanted to build a family Diverse, but unified. And I wanted to put my blessings, my persona, my person inside of every single one of you that will be displayed differently so that the world could see through the wisdom that you all operate in together how great I am. And that wisdom, when operated together, is so powerful It'll overthrow principalities. See, this, this statement of finding your why, it's a Simon Sinek statement. I don't know if anyone's ever listened to Simon Sinek before. He's like a business consultant, guru. And he says, the reason you need to find your why is because people aren't going to buy what you do. They're not going to care about how you do it. They care, whether they realize it or not. Why? You're doing it. They care about the why. I could come up here, I could tell you, you know, I could try to sell you on something. Oh, it's made like this and it's made like this. No, but if I give you a heartfelt story by it, it's going to move you a lot more. See, God's heart was to put his persona in all of you, and that through wisdom that you all individually carry, being brought together, we would rule the world. In Acts, the church comes together and it says that they were all of one heart and one mind. They were unified, adding to their numbers daily, growing in the knowledge and the wisdom and the revelation of the Lord. And you know what the rulers of, that, of the world were saying at the time? They're turning our world upside down. They're overthrowing the principalities of the time. And I want to tell you what principalities do. Principalities control mindsets. Principalities control mindsets. And that's why 
you need to define your why. God came to me and said, Zach, you're missing out on these moments with me. You're missing out on these times where I'm coming to you to reveal to you what's in my heart. One of my favorite passages, and this is, this is like a why passage for me, is Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says the secret things belong to the Lord, but it's the things that are revealed that belong to us and our children forever. It's a why because I, I love the secrets of God. It's just, hey, here's a way to find, find out your why. In Isaiah 6, it says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and then he received the calling for his life. What you see when you see the Lord will often tell you your why for your life. When you close your eyes and you go to him and say, Jesus, I love you. What you see when you kneel before him often reveals the why on your life. The why on your life is found in intimacy. The why on your life is found in intimacy. God spoke to um, the church of Ephesus, the same church that Paul was writing this to. And he said, you're doing all the things great. You just forgot one thing, your first love. You forgot why. You were doing all the what, and you're doing it all the how. You just lost the why. And I'll say, if people will buy, they want to know what your, what your why is. They don't care about the what, they don't care about the how, they care about the why. The spiritual realm is looking for your why. Spirits discern other spirits, and they discern the why on your life. What's the why? What's the spirit you're walking in? What's the why? tell you, Jesus came in John 10, 10, and he said this, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' why wasn't for himself. It was to serve. It was to give. It was to give life away. And everyone here's why on their life is never going to be a why for self-serving purposes. It's a why to give what God has put in your heart away, to build up the body, to be something mature not moved around by every wind of doctrine, but full of the Lord. That's the why in your life. And I feel like God wants us to define it. He wants you to define the why on your life. Because what's caught in wonder can be enjoyed for a moment, but that's just for you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if I'm out of my mind, it's for God. But if in my right mind, it's for you. What's caught in wonder is between you and the Lord. But what's defined is for the church. It's for the world around you. It's what you can give away. How many times have you had a moment with God and you're like, man, this is so amazing. Someone's like, tell me about it. I can't. It's just awesome. Yeah. Well, like, what did he say? <sighs> That's about all he got sometimes. 
And that's great. Enjoy the wonder. But don't let it stay there. Define it. It may take years. It may take a long time, but define it. It's so funny. I, you know, sometimes I'll be calling up David or Dylan or someone, and I'll be like, dude, I got the word. I have got the revelation. Like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is it. Like, second coming. Wake the bridesmaids. He's coming. And I'm like, all right, so I'm, I'm going to text it to you. And then you start texting it, and you write it out, and you're like, wait, am I forgetting something? It seems really plain when you write it out. But that's actually the nature of what it's supposed to be. That's actually the nature of what it's supposed to be because the wonder is supposed to blow our mind. It's supposed to increase our capacity to see all the greatness of who God is and all the things that he fills because he says he fills everything. And we're getting our minds to understand the fullness of who he is. But we define it, it takes what's out in the spiritual and puts it in the natural so that it's easily impractical to understand. It shows that the wonder of God reveals the magnitude of what he can accomplish in overtaking principalities and rules and authorities. But when you put it in word, it just reveals the simplicity of what it takes to walk in obedience to what he's asked to do. And when you walk in that simplicity of that obedience, it may not look like a lot, but when you're walking with him, you're actually overthrowing principalities. You're changing mindsets, and you're changing the world by increasing, by releasing the kingdom of God. Capture your wonder. Capture the special moments alone with the Lord where you don't understand what's happening, but record them. That's one of the things God said to me. He said, Zach, you can't define it if you can't write it. You can't define it if you can't write it. What you write can go far, far, far away from where your mouth can speak. I wrote this. Each generation is defining truth for the next. Without defined truth, our actions will become inconsistent and we will be responsible for a confused generation that has nothing better to lead them than their own feelings. If wonder is revealing to us the greatness of who God is to us, then our definition of God is revealing to the world how great he is in the church. God can release all of him into a room. But the only way it's changing the world is if we take it out. One of the reasons why I think God is wanting us to define our why. Because I believe he's, he's moving us into something new. There's something new of him 
that he wants to give, but he can't give it if we haven't made room for it. And I think so many times we, uh, I'll say this for myself, when he spoke to me that day, all I saw was all the things he's been wanting to give me over time, but he hasn't been able to because I haven't been consistently defining the wonder that he's been expressing to me, that he's been revealing to me. I believe that God, right now for us as a church, is going to expand our capacity and narrow our focus. Expand our capacity to receive from him. To carry the oil that he's wanting to pour out. But he's asking us to narrow our focus. Expansion of the capacity is only something only God can do. But the narrowing of our focus is something that we are required to do. And in doing so, the church can be more of the church. Because so long, we've tried to take a focus way broader than what we've actually been asked. We've tried to be everything and anything. When God's like, I'm just, just be you. Just be you. When you look and see the Lord, what do you see? I've always been fascinated with understanding the secrets of God, just the the deeper things of the Lord. You know, where it reads in Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has see the great things that God has planned for those who love him, but you have the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God that searches out the deep things of God, taking spiritual thoughts to spiritual words. Like that... That echoes in my heart. I'm like, God, what are you saying? What is it? I don't. This year, I'm just gonna be super transparent. Like, I've walked around this year, beginning this year especially. I was like, God, like, what? What are you doing with me? Who's thought that this year? Come on, let's just be real. What are you doing with me? Like, I, I was just telling him, I was like, God, I feel like I'm walking at like 50% of my capacity. I was like, I feel like there's a cork inside of me. And I'm just like, just take that thing out, God. <laughs> and he came to me with that word that day. And I saw what I felt like I'd been missing. It wasn't him. It was me. And I learned that as I lay my life down to serve other people, like my why, one of the greatest whys of my life, why I, I'm a, like, why I find joy in my life is because of Madison. I went through a major, everyone goes through a major transition when they get married. From singleness to being married. Because when you're single, you're all wise for yourself. When you get married, it's no longer for yourself. You know, husbands, lay your life down as Christ did for the church. And I remember coming home those first couple weeks from being married. I'm like, I don't, what's going on with me? Like, I don't feel like myself. I'm like, I don't even want to walk inside my own house. I want to sit in my car like, what is going on? And I realized one day God spoke to me. He's like, Zach, 
you're not the same. You're one with someone else. And your why in life is to serve and to love her, to lay your life down for her, and trust that I'll take care of you as you take care of her. And it changed my whole perspective on life. Why I did things, why I made decisions. I got married, honestly. I saw all the great possibilities of what it could be. You know, people, that's why we need definition of what is a godly marriage. Growing up, definition for purity was don't have sex before marriage. I'm sure a lot of people here have heard that with no other definition for it. That's actually not definition. Say, don't have sex before marriage, it's bad, but once you do after marriage, it's good. That's not definition, that's confusion. (laughs) And so you grow up that way, and you go off to school or college somewhere, and someone starts to tell you, hey, you should. Well, I'm not supposed to. You'll feel so much better if you did. You'll feel way more connected and way more blah, 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 blah. They've given you a better definition than don't right there. And if you're not rooted in truth, if you haven't defined your truth of what the Lord says about you, of who you are, then you'll believe it. Because when you get in that moment and you're like, man, no, that's okay. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. It's not even mine to give away because I'm his. And I'm so in love with him and so fulfilled in him, I can't see anything outside of him ever meeting a need for my life because he's met them all. That's definition. And when you speak that definition, when you speak that, it's the name of Jesus amongst the college campus. It changes minds. It overthrows principalities. I love what um, Billy Graham says. He says, courage is contagious. When you see a man take a stand, the spines of others often stiffen. Because <laughs> everyone has a heart to know the Lord, whether they realize it or not. Jeremiah said, I've given you a heart to know me as your Lord. Everyone has a heart for it. And when you begin to speak, what God has defined to be truth. People will either see it and run to it or they'll want to run away from it. But really, they want to see it. I want to go ahead and start closing with this, but um, I think one of the reasons God wants to define our why because He's making new room for new things. You know. I've talked to a lot of people and people of this, you know, in the church and I myself, I feel like so many of us have been corrected by the Lord in some kind of way this year, especially in the last couple of months, where God 
has looked at us, and we've seen something that needs to be fixed. And when God looks at foundations, he's looking at it for one thing, because he wants to build upon it. He wants to add to it. When you're building a house, you'll expect the foundation. Why? Because you want to add to it. You want to build upon it. You may see something wrong with it, but that's why you're bringing it to the surface so it can be fixed. You want to build upon it. God has put rivers of living water inside of you. Rivers of living water. But if there's that definition of truth over your life, the definition of what God has spoken over you, it has no power because rivers need banks for power to flow. And without banks, you don't have a river. You just got a pond. And no one wants to drink from that. We need rivers. Rivers flowing out of you. You know, people... We don't rise to the height of our vision. We don't rise to the height of our goals and our dreams. We fall to the level of the structures we've put in place in our life. We fall to the level of the truth that we've defined that we are that is non-negotiable. I think in this church, we have been in a season of transition, I would like to say. One of my words for 2019 that I feel like the Lord gave to me was that this was a year of movement. When I look out at our church, I've seen so much change happen in so many people. People moving from one city to another to come here. I think we've had well over 100 people begin coming to this church, and now we've gone to three services. You know, people moving jobs, moving houses, moving churches. These are major life-changing events. But there's one truth that I know about movement in the, in the Bible. When God calls you to move, it always precedes the blessing he wants to give you. Abraham walked where? Just start walking. And as he's walking, he says, look up, Abraham. Count those stars. How much more do I want to give to you? I want to make your name great. I'll make you a father of many nations. Look up and wonder. I'm going to do a great thing with you. You can have wonder, but if it's not defined, it can't be given away. And what's caught in wonder has to be defined in the natural to overthrow what's in the spiritual. What's caught in wonder, what's caught in the spirit, has to be fined in the natural to overthrow what's in the heavens. That's the role of the church is to change mindsets. Over the last couple weeks, I've sensed just in our church, just the revelation of righteousness has become so prevalent. It has always been a core message of our house that you are right with God. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed your sins and remembers them no more. Doesn't see and look at you because of your faults or what you've done wrong. He sees and looks at you as his son, as a daughter, holy, blameless, and above reproach. When the enemy speaks, he often likes to come in times of transition. You can see it all throughout the Bible. When someone is in a massive stage of transition, the enemy comes and tries to sow lies into someone. And when Jesus was transitioning into ministry, the devil came and tried to tempt him to drift away from what he knew to be true. But what Jesus responded to was the definition that he had in his heart for who his father was and who he is. 
gave him the power in a time where he was in transition to answer for rivers of living water to flow out of him and became the voice that overthrew principalities, that changed minds, and had people begin to see the power of what the kingdom of God is because it's his manifold wisdom being released. And that's you. Every single one here looks and sees the world a different way, looks and sees the Lord a different way. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You have all seen the Lord if you know him, if you claim him, you've seen him. What is it you see? So that will define or help you define the why in your life. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're calling us to higher places, that you're wanting to do new things. That the dreams of our past are about to become the realities of our present. So that new dreams can be built upon. New dreams can be built New wonders can be given. God, may we begin to see you inside of us. May we begin to see the purposes of our lives and walk in them. May we begin to see the why. For why you established here as sons of dollars and as a church. The change of mindsets in society. To displace the voice of accusation and bring to the world the message of righteousness. You came and you put yourself within us that we would have the mind of Christ. And we grow in wisdom and understanding of you in all your ways, Jesus. Amen. Amen.